Welcome to this week's recording and the first of 2024 of Engines, EVs, and Espresso. The podcast about caffeine, machine, and all things in between. Part of the Racing Forces Media family. Hooray. Yay. And we're really excited to be back for this season because it seems to be it's going to be an interesting one in the world of racing, the world of cars and tech is also heating up and just the world of sports in general so i think engines evs and espresso is going to have a lot of fun and i don't think there's ever a dearth of stuff to talk about in coffee so we're excited about 2024 and to do a lot more i think about creating cool stuff that's entertaining and educating and just have a little bit of fun along the way. Be the E3 way if there weren't laughs and fun along the way. Exactly. A little bit of chaos at all times. A little bit of chaos at all times because we did run into technical challenges all morning. So it wouldn't be us without it's it. Like there's something just about E3 that just activates my Aries moon. Just like it activates my chaos gremlin and just I'm always running around and chaotic on this show. I think one thing I've been thinking a lot about from a workplace and even like entertainment online standpoint is psychological safety. And psychological safety, especially for female fans, let's just call it that in the world of sports is just so important. And the fact that all of our chaos is just very safe in this pod, let's call it that, or our pod pod, our pod pod, basically, <laughs> yes, that makes me feel actually good. We are able to kind of create that psychologically chaotic environment that we are not able to kind of let out in other mm -hmm. ways, but We've got a really interesting episode that we're going to talk about today. We're going to preview cars that have dropped on the grid. Molly is going to obviously tell us about which car she thinks is going to be the fastest. But with that, what was the coffee you guys drank this week, this break? That was your most favorite, you guys. Ooh, I've had a lot of coffee. It was a lot of Sabbath, a lot of adventures. I think still, and I sent it in our group chat, was that cranberry cascara espresso tonic that you were like, Molly's a coffee influencer that was like pretty and red. I took on the roof of my car that one day. So I'm an espresso tonic girly. If you haven't heard in our other episodes where you take, you have to like tonic to do this, but a shot of espresso poured into some tonic over ice and it's fizzy and delicious. And my favorite coffee place, Sabbath, will do different flavors. And so the holiday one was cranberry cascara and it was just this delightful like nice and sweet and fizzy with like the taste of espresso and like a little bit of the q and finish of the tonic. I don't like q and actually. So you have to kind of mask it a little bit, but it was just delightful and delicious. And because of my Diet Coke addiction, ENTs, especially that one, like scratch the like sweet fizz itch I get from every day of my life because that's, that's a terrible part of me and I'm trying to break that addiction. Oh, I had an interesting coffee drink, but it was a warm coffee drink at this place called UT47 in Manhattan. Actually, just recently, I think like last week, I was visiting New York City and I went to this like random, it's like a little vegan place on 47th Street, hence the name. And they do a ginger coffee 
where they like fully put pieces of ginger like in like an oat latte essentially with like maybe a little bit of cinnamon but it was like delicious i honestly could drink it every day and it feels Ooh. like so good for your tummy and it's like spicy but it's like good with the coffee it wasn't too sweet i was worried they were gonna put like ginger syrup in it but it wasn't it was the perfect balance of flavor and so good i could have like drank a gallon of it if that mm -hmm. would have given me the horrible shakes it was so good i was like making mental notes to myself to like chop up ginger and like throw it in my oat milk espressos that i make here and so yeah loved that tummy. as a hot girl yeah. with tummy troubles that sounds incredible i think uh two things about that ginger if you didn't know especially in netherlands ginger tea is literally cut up pieces of ginger mm -hmm. in hot water that's actually mm -hmm. really delightful it's to delicious. drink but another thing about espresso tonic that I learned over the break was that the espresso and the tonic, when they react together, they naturally become a little bit sweet. There's sweeter undertones in especially the coffee because the tonic, I think, brings out a lot of the flavor. So I was at Verve Coffee Roaster in the West Hollywood area in LA. When they drop one of their signature espressos, into that fever tree regular tonic it just became a lot more sweeter so and i'm like tonic is not that sweet by itself and espresso of course isn't but it just like combines it really well it can get a little bit overwhelming so i couldn't finish it yeah but it was actually very good you see the hype i kind of see the hype now but with that i think let's talk a little bit more about f1s 2024 car lineup. I know we've got a lot of thoughts on here on liveries, pretty cars. Allie will tell us a little bit about what was her favorite car on the grid. And then we're going to hear from Molly, which was her favorite car engineering design wise. But do we really even know what's going to be the fastest car? So let's like, let's hear a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's I, I'm sure I'm going to take some heat for my predictions, but it's right. fine. Well, yeah, it's very funny you say that, Abby, because I was going through my livery ratings and I was like, <laughs> I know so little about the engineering part. I was like, ooh, look at the bul the bulge here. How, how car go fast, yay. Um, <laughs> oh, Abby. <laughs> this is the vision. <laughs> I was just so hilarious that Abby cannot handle. I didn't do anything. My camera just decided to fall it, off. It really is. It decided it's to fall off. It's me hitting stuff. <laughs> My camera was like, this is so it's exciting. <laughs> okay, anyway, boop, boop, boop. So I don't know anything about the shape of the car. I don't get, but I'm excited to hear about, about it, Molly. You can read my very relatively detailed opinions on all of our cars on our Instagram account, and you can see what I've actually said. But to summarize, I think my favorite livery, my top two would be Mercedes. I think they did the best overall. I think the design makes a lot of sense as far as the way that they've actually found a really good middle ground between their Silver Arrows design and their all black design. I don't really like the Silver Arrows design when they go all silver. I like that they've like incorporated silver elements so that it's going to catch the light really well. Like the, the good thing about the Silver Arrows 
liveries when they do them, even though they're not my favorite, is that they catch the light in night races really, really well. But I think the black one just looks better. Like it's sexier and it's like meaner. And I like that. So I think from the side, you wouldn't even really know there was that much silver on the car, but from the front, you see the silver arrow. So I think it's a really nice middle ground. They don't have too many sponsors on there. I think it's beautiful. And it's Mercedes, come on. And they have like the little bits of teal, the little bits of maroon. And it's not just like, why is this here? Like sometimes they go a little overboard on the maroon. That's not a cute color. Anyway, so definitely Mercedes was the best. What is this maroon slander? I didn't (laughs) read that. It's not fast. Maroon doesn't mean speed. Where were you for the SF90 then in that beautiful maroon fire suit, the dark red car? Um, It was fine. (laughs) Maroon's not my, it's not my vibe for an F1 car, but I, you know, respectfully, we can all disagree. I just don't think maroon equates to speed. I guess I get it. You know, right? There is a stat that red cars get pulled over more on the streets than any other car there is a statistic around that <laughs> like maroon is for like maroon is for the minivan you know and red <laughs> is for the sports car like that is the i'm so sorry but like this is the <laughs> maroon is for the minivan i kind of like like that analogy and then i know it's polarizing but i'm obsessed with the steak livery it was my second favorite of the year she go <laughs> she go valtteri is she go nobody can tell me differently i love the that they've just branded themselves they were like listen the next two years are going to be weird and so we're going to be weird too we're the weirdos of the grid or bright green and black we're here to sow the seeds of chaos and you know i think they took a few things and did them really well i think there are some liveries that were too simplified like aston martins and i think there were some liveries that were way too complicated like mclaren's and i think they found the perfect middle ground of being like green but also <laughs> temperate with the black <laughs> like <laughs> Okay, I'm actually like very mad at them from a like techie standpoint because all of the placement of their black. Oh no! I can't see crap in their Bigfoot photos (laughs) from Shakedown, so I can tell what the real car is and what was the launch car and what's different. Okay, because they put like official stuff out from Shakedown. I had a Bigfoot photo like three or four days ahead of that that like I made a video on. And like, you can't see crap because of all of the black on the livery. That's actually very intentional that teams will do that. And a lot of teams will do it in other series too, where they put the black on the car is intentional to conceal features and make them all blend in in spy photographs, in photos and in laser scanning to try and cheat the system because the laser can't always see things on black. It's actually like a huge thing in racing where your livery design and where certain features are is intentional so like in nascar it actually used to be black and white in certain areas teams were trying to cheat because the laser scanner couldn't see it and now the wavelength of laser they actually use different shapes and different colors and different wavelength styles in the laser so that you can't get away with that anymore but it's still a huge thing in racing about where you're putting black and white on your (laughs) on your car and i'm mad at cake cake stick steak yeah cake stick stick. that's the name (laughs) I'm mad at Cake Stick for their a lot of black, even though it looks like Shigo, and I love it so much, but I can't tell you crap about the tech because. No. Well, that adds like, that's really interesting. I did not know that. And that adds like a whole other level, sadly in a bad way for you, Molly, but it's a whole other level of cleverness because they managed to make it look (laughs) very, very good. And also like 
with the placement of their logo, like the mm -hmm. steak logo is so readable. We have words about McLaren's legibility problems with their car numbers. Mm -hmm. There is regulations about that. So I'm actually going to be really curious. We can get into this later, but there's actual literal visibility regulations about how the numbers are seen. And I think there was actually a conspiracy theory that someone pointed out on TikTok that there were maybe some teams not in compliance that got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views. And then all of a sudden, lo and behold, the teams he was talking about showed up with added borders around their numbers oh, to make them more that. visible. Yes. So there are actual like legibility requirements for driver identification and driver number in the regulations. So I think we'll see some adjustments there. It'll be like a, they'll add a border, like a white border, or they'll add a color, or they'll change the way that the number yeah. is. But I will say steak that whole step function they have on the side almost it looks beautiful like the steps they've made i do think it's very very strategically done i think i get ali the genius and the prettiness around the mercedes design after you kind of explained it to me i do get it it's beautiful the silver's on top the black's on the side but i think steak kind of won it and like you said they are deciding, hey, we're going to take our money from wherever we can get it for the next two years. And that's going to be my favorite car when Audi drops on the grid. I'm very vocal about it. I absolutely am excited about the trajectory of what that's going to happen. But I'm very excited to see McLaren did with that silver numbers on their car. Does anybody else think that the McLaren fire suits and the car, I get the car has some nods in it. They look like a bag of extra flaming hot Cheetos with the diagonal orange. <laughs> it's like, what is it with the fast food motifs every year? There's always like Ferraris, like looking like I McDonald's. thought they looked like marching band uniforms for a minute. Like color guard uniforms usually are cut diagonally. And then you have like a black pant with a colored tunic. But then oh, yeah. like, I was like, this looks like something else. And someone pointed out that it was a Cheetos bag and I can't unsee it now. And I'm so sorry, McLaren on all fronts for saying that, but y'all look like a bag of extra flame and hot Cheetos. Nothing wrong with that, but they made a choice. They took a risk. I have a collab idea for McLaren who like really wins at the collab game. They mm -hmm. should collab with the movie that came out last year with Eva Longoria. Just like get her with her flaming hot Cheetos, like movie throwback. And I don't know <laughs> what that is. What you guys don't know there was a movie on flaming hot Cheetos. No. It's about the history no. of Cheetos. That Eva Longoria starred in and made the movie. What? Premiered at South by Southwest. No, yes. and we were there. Oh my God. <laughs> we were there. Oh no. We were too busy we were. basking in we Abby's were. glow at her panel. <laughs> and you to did pay attention to Eva Longoria. Oh. Uh, Wait, no, sorry, we didn't we didn't rush out of the Formula One panel to watch the Cheetos documentary. No, it was a full movie. <laughs> it's it was not a documentary. So yeah, okay. <laughs> McLaren socials team or marketing team, get Eva Longoria on it. I think it will I'm calling the IndyCar admin yes. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> back to back to cars. <laughs> I would say Steak did actually win, but we should also talk about our other favorite, V-Carp. Be still my Toro Rosso, the little team that could heart. Like I, that was such a throwback for me and I loved it. <laughs> and now the biggest banking corporation, yeah. banking technology corporation and Jack Dorsey's yeah. team. Yes. <laughs> the, the underdog. underdog. <laughs> yeah, Jack Darcy was sitting next to Beyonce and Jay-Z at NFL. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the reason why this happened because 
he's one of those Silicon Valley entrepreneurs who's probably really busy. And he's like, I can't go to two things. Just like make it all happen. <laughs> and so I think that's why them using NFL kind of made sense because a lot of Silicon Valley entrepreneurs and VCs will attend this time. It's right next to San Francisco. There was a lot of murmur on the internet that this was going to launch another secret person. And I was like, logistics. Sometimes it's that easy because we want to save money. Not everything is Taylor Swift-esque genius. Sometimes we're just plain dumb people who just want to save money. And I think that's all it was. They decided to just join in the hype, extend invites to the same group of people twice and get yeah. it done. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that too, because I was slightly confused by the NFL association that they were going so hard in that direction because I was like, well, they're target audience is Gen Z, it feels like, and Gen Z does not care about NFL, like the NFL, generally speaking. But that makes so much more sense, Abby. So thank you for contextualizing that. I was here over here trying to do 4D chess in my head, like, <laughs> what's the plan? And I was like, no, it's just, just logistics. Like, they're yeah. just there. And Danny loves Josh Allen. Done. Like, there you go. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was just easy for them to make it happen. And you have to realize that launches like we talked about is yeah mm -hmm. about the design but it's also about sponsor reveal yes what does sponsor reveal really mean just sticker on the car makes no more sense anymore it mm -hmm. is about making those connections and visa talking to red bull and it was interesting that we saw less of the red bull people in front of the camera i'm sure they were and we saw more of yuki danny amna that Hugo collection was beautiful. And I do think, I think we did a case study on our social media, which is racing forces. Now we're going to start doing everything more in racing forces and not the engine CVs and espresso for people keeping track. But for racing forces case study that we did, and we were talking about how it really appealed to a broader group of audiences. I think it was really myopic of us to say that because we're Americans. And after we got a couple of comments, we realized Oh, for the British, it may actually yeah. have been completely different. They may have seen it completely differently. And also the timing of the launch was 1030 PST. So they really weren't trying to show it to an American audience live because they were like, okay, Americans will be happy with some pretty stills we give them. <laughs> and then they tried to do it live for the UK audience where there's a lot of people who actually do sign in to watch this. And apparently it was half of it was pre-recorded video. Half of it was not the full scope of what the launch was supposed to look like. So I do get that there were points that were missed, but from an overall direction perspective, except for the weird name. A lot of people say it sounds like a <laughs> vegan smoothie and they don't like that. I know. Vegan yeah, I agree. I'm just going with like today. what has been picked up and what I've been hearing from like what Red Bull calls them. So V-carb. Okay. I think James Coker, Visa, Cash App, Racing Bulls. Like I think everybody should say it like that. <laughs> but the RB, the RB is allegedly not Racing Bull. This makes me sad because I love that chant. So it's Visa, Cash App, Red Bull? I think so. Yeah. We'll find out throughout the year. So choose your favorite. Everybody pick your favorite. Ali, your favorite final. I think from just purely a design perspective, Mercedes is my favorite. Yeah. Molly? Aston. Aston. Whoa, that's a tough choice. No, that, that can be mine. For me, I think it has to be steak. I think it's simple. It, it does allow with two colors. 
the carpet was pretty. It slightly felt like a clutter Toro Rosso to me. It was just confirmed in our chat by Emily. Per Peter Bayer, the team's CEO, RB stands for Red Bull, not Racing Bull. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'll go with but that. But the fact that they're not writing it out like cowards, I don't get it. <laughs> this is where I was going to get into it when I talk about like some of the tech on the cars, but I think that they are trying to not like potentially raise a lot of like Xeroxing suspicion with the whole, like, we're going to turn this into a much closer sister team identity than it has in the past where they were kind of off doing their own thing. Like, yeah, the bull was on the car. It was Alpha Tauri, like Toro Rosso before, which was Red Bull in Italian. And now with the car taking a lot more current tech and a lot more current pieces of the RB19, it looks a lot more like an RB19. And they're, they're kind of trying to bring this brand identity back in to be like a true sister team with the Red Bull. I think that they don't want like the, oh my God, like they're spending each other's money and the tinfoiling hats and everything. And I wonder if they're trying to kind of skirt the politics of having a sister team by not typing it out. Yeah. And yeah. Zach Brown has already picked it up again. Mm -hmm. He's talking yeah. about it already in press again. Since his team's marketing is working really well, he's gotten all the money that America has to offer to F1. He's mm -hmm. got really good drivers. All his problems are solved right now. I actually got asked if I thought that this was going to turn into a pink Mercedes situation. And I'm like, no, I think they're going to take everything they can legally and then go from there. It's not like they're going to steal drawings or like get suspicious dossiers or anything like who knows. But I think it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about also voting rights. If you think about it, when you sit on the grid and there's voting rights in anything, let's say Concord Agreement coming up, RB will have two voting rights. How do you allow like two board? How is that possible? Unless, sure, it's like a shareholder situation. I bought in, so I'm going to have two voting rights. And you just have to know that now suddenly RB becomes one of these majority shareholder teams, which makes no sense. It's important to note too that Ferrari's veto, they had this all reaching veto. They've actually, they've reined in Ferrari's veto power too. So Ferrari doesn't have as much veto power as they used to in the past when it comes to stuff like that as well for voting rights. You cannot have two teams on one league just because what it does for antitrust. So I think it's something in the right way, but I think if Zach Brown does really want to go that way, I would love for him to explain mm -hmm. a little bit about his co-ownership with United Autosports that kind yes. of gets that McLaren deals. But again, it's a different league. That's a problem for a different day. Mm -mm. However, coming back on just pure voting rights, I don't know how that works. I think to sum up launch season, and Adrian Newey said it best last year, it's going to be a grid full of RB19s. And I think that that was true. He called that. And we saw a lot, a lot, a lot of teams shift to design cues and design features that we previously saw on the RB19, which is the high downwashing, high undercut, downwashing side pod type of scheme. And I'm not surprised. We're seeing the end cut wings, which have this big notch cut out of them to help with rear load. I think we're seeing just kind of a lot of design convergence onto the RB19 style of car, which I'm not surprised by. We're seeing a little bit of difference in teams that have water slides versus who don't have water slides on their side pod. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of crazy like arrow around water slides, but basically you put a trough mm -hmm. or like something like that on a side pod to direct, contain, and protect air. 
So that's literally, yeah. and it's a constriction. So if you look at some of them, especially the Aston, it like gets smaller and then shoots back out. Mm. When you pinch air close, it speeds the air up. And then as it comes back out, it shoots out. And that's also yeah. a big pressure differential. So that's a big downforce generator. And also it's kind of like basically creating a cannon of air over features you want it that's highly energized. I so- want to add an analogy there. Yes. For people who have gotten hydrofacial. Oh my God. Your hydrofacial puts in a serum and takes the gunk out of your face it's exactly that yes and air is always going to go to the path of least resistance and the lowest pressure so by having that kind of concentrated area that it makes the air want to go there which is like even more brilliant so i think we're seeing kind of differing with some teams doing that versus others the big thing that i think we're gonna it's gonna come down to once again is the floors and we've heard a lot about teams changing gearboxes and their casings and a lot Mm. of teams rerouting cooling and you're like well molly we're under a powertrain freeze right we are not frozen for gearbox casing and cooling and plumbing routing related to your power unit and gearbox and so Mm. you can change kind of the way that your plumbing's done you can change where your radiator sit you can change the way that things integrate and route together and you can also change the way that the gearbox fits together like it packages in, in a box you can change the box the whole goal of that is to try and maximize, in my opinion, the area of the floor. And that I think is the biggest thing. And I wish I could see the floors. That's the biggest thing is trying to get more volume, more kind of area to play in, in and around that diffuser area and kind of that mid floor and back so that they can put more features in, they can do a little bit more with it. And that's why I think the RB19 floor was so great was because Adrian had kind of said, no, you're not using that space to the gearbox guys when they came and said, well, we want to put the gearbox like this. And an arrow was kind of king in that sense. He said, make it fit here. And it opened up all of this space for them to play with in that legality box and that volume because you're contained to that volume. And then also the same thing with kind of the, the power unit routing up on the top side to kind of work with the features that go over the beam wing and energize towards the rear of the car and up over the rear corners. It's all very, it all plays together because it's all extraction flow. And so it's all super important. So teams are kind of jockeying this, trying to get the best volume and the best possible shape and more room for them to play with, with these features that we can't see, but to affect the things we can see, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think with the gearbox casing as well, if how that changes and just bringing back my very, very limited understanding of how packaging works. It's also about efficiency, right? It's about efficiency. It's also weight. Yes. You could in weight with casing. Yes. Heat retention will increase efficiency mm-hmm. of the actual engine performance. So yep. let's say Ferrari comes up with a new way to do that. Let's hope it doesn't blow up and doesn't overheat as often as it has done in the last couple of years. We also don't know if they got any reliability concessions. I don't think we've heard if any teams were granted any from the FIA where they are, if they can give enough of a case, they are allowed to break their freeze and fix something. But I don't think we know if any teams have gotten that. So that's also a layer to this that we don't know. And also with efficiency, your drag to downforce efficiency, what's your ratio of drag drag force? drag to your downforce production do you have high drag and low downforce production you have high downforce production and low drag like there's there's a big Mm. trade-off there we heard a lot of teams change kind of the center of gravity of their cars i've seen a lot of changes to the driver position a lot of teams went for new chassis and a lot of like suspension Mm. inboard suspension changes along with kind of the outer shrouding 
but that says that teams are trying to change the overall balance, center of pressure and center of gravity of their car, and also make the car less sensitive to narrow ride height windows. So they're trying to get a wider setup window where they are not as sensitive and it's not as like one window of ride height that they get. It's trying to open that up. So there's a little bit more that they can play with and energize the floor with. And then also a lower center of gravity. Like a big one that stuck out to me was Alpine because they sucked in high speed corners last year and they have changed their chassis and a lower center of gravity car is going to actually have better high speed cornering performance than a higher center of gravity car. Whereas a higher center of gravity car is going to be good on the straights and less drag, but you're going to lose in the high speed corners where low center of gravity car is actually better. So what they've done, it's more dragging on the straights. So they're actually saying that they are taking the drag hit to lower their center of gravity but they can overcome it with their setups that they have kind of come up with. And, and I think so it's going to change like, the right height's probably going to change a little bit in that window track over track, so. right? They're going to like decide what the trade-off is mostly. And that's the importance of having a stable and good inboard suspension member because it's yeah. going to give them the flexibility for all of those different setups. Because that's the other thing to me that I think we should watch for teams is their package matching and how they're able to adapt track to track because there was a lot of like tracks last year I'm like why the heck do they have the high downforce wing on here like what this is normally like mid to low and it's because the downforce that they need over the rear with what they have in their suspension and everything else they need the high downforce which means that's a huge drag hit to get what they need in ride height so it's really going to be kind of a big trade-off and kind of a game of who can manage that and I think we're seeing a lot of teams understand that better where red bull i think personally had a really good understanding of that in years past and seasons past as well as aston that really kind of set them apart and then the mclaren once they kind of got their arrow under control that set them apart from the rest of the grid and the fact that mclaren had wraps over their suspension at shakedown was very interesting i'm anxious to see what's under that Let's talk about, before we wrap up on our 2024 kind of season start, I want to touch over Red Bull and RB20 because there was definitely some false paneling over the side pods. The glee in Molly's face. Yeah, she (laughs) just got very happy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So let's talk about, because we've talked about these RB19 copies. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. Adrian Newey, the RB20, and just kind of go from there. Okay, so it all started with a um, Bigfoot style shakedown photo. And then I do have a little bit of Red Bull Intel. I do tend to have a little bit of some insight there. And I knew that that was the car we were going to see. The whole time we were looking at all of these high quality shots from the shakedown, we're like, where the heck's the side pot inlet? Lo and behold, they reveal the car. We, we knew that that was the car they were going to show at reveal. And everybody's like, where the hell's the inlet? So there is, I can confirm a vertical inlet. I have some insight that that vertical inlet is true, a la the like Merck, but the true inlet is still concealed. There is some false body work. I've heard that there is a smaller inlet further up, but the vertical inlet is real. So it's not an S-duct. It's not an S-duct. It's a vertical inlet. Well, it could, it could be a vertical inlet. Scarves seems to think it's an S-duct because he sees an exit for it. And by scarves, we mean F1 tech analyst, correct, Scarsboro. Yes, the like king of the F1 tech space. He seems to believe he has found the exit for the S-duct. I just have a little bit of insight that that is real. 
There is some false body work there. The full floor edge was all false. And there is some false stuff up in the side pod, but there is, we are going to see this show up in Bahrain. There are going to be some big differences. Vertical inlet is real. Uh, like 5D chess. I think everybody went, oh shit. I saw that and feel free to believe that or mark this explicit. I don't care. I do think that that was an oh shit for the entire grid. Uh, a lot of people that are saying that this is a direct jab at Mercedes. And I don't think that the, a team is going to take housery and my co-host said it the best dr obs on my other show teams are not going to take housery over performance he walks around with that notebook adrian newey takes notes there's a ton of competitive intelligence that goes on in the grid there's spy photographers at teams hire they are all trying to understand what their competition is doing and why because not a single mm. thing goes on these cars without a purpose and so whatever he saw in that vertical inlet there's something there and teams will go back. They will plug it into the models. If say they saw Ferrari do something, they'll go back and try it in their models and they'll try it in some of their kind of simulations mm. to see if there is actually any performance. It's part of the competitive intelligence side of racing. And whatever they saw in part of this, there was obviously a good enough benefit to that vertical inlet. Whatever it is, is that the radiator inlet, is that truly an S duct? There's enough benefit there that it made sense to go on the car and they felt that they didn't need that over a traditional style letterbox side pod that we've seen everybody else do and they had last season. The overbite is also for air direction. It's going to basically, I have a video we can link if we want and it explains kind of that mid wing and why that's important. But there's a reason why they did that. And I want to see the rest of the car without its paneling and the light with the floor because the floor is going to be mated up to that because you want to energize that deck of the floor. So there's going to be floor features that were concealed that go along with that. So I want to see the, the floor edge, trying to understand it better. The insight that I've been told is that that is real. We're going to see it in Bahrain. There's going to be some tweaks, but that's largely what we're going to see when it shows up. For newer fans of the sport, I think it's important to explain that we're not really going to know until qualifying day at Bahrain in two weeks. We're not going to see, but testing is the same weekend as this podcast as you're listening to. So go look at what testing is telling us. And then from there, we're going to develop more. Mm -hmm. I know we wanted to talk about so much more in this episode. We will. That we did not get to. But I think this was a good 2024 yeah. episode setup. We have a new team of producers on board. Ooh. Shout out Emily and Sabrina, who oh, are wow. helping us put this entire team together. We are a team of five now. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. wild to me. That's <laughs> terrifying, but I love it. Do five people even listen to us? It's just us listening to ourselves. <laughs> and... And my mom and my dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, the Whelan's <laughs> will never forget. Official partner of the Whelan collection. We were not paid by yes. the Whelan's. Oh my yes. God. We were paid by the Whelan's, except for will their love. Will we do a Whelan collab someday? Quite possibly. Anytime Mr. and Mrs. Whelan are ready for us, <laughs> we'll take them. Uh, E-cubed burger night and leather making class. Oh my God. E-cubed burger night. Where did that come from? That's a great idea. The Waylands do burger night on Thursday. Oh my God. I Every love Thursday. that you know this. <laughs> we do. Oh my God. They do. Oh my gosh. And Thursday is when our podcast drops now. It's sacred in the Wayland house. <laughs> oh my God. This content is so specific to my two parents and no one else in this world. But hopefully it's still entertaining. 
entertaining for the rest of us, but yes. Hey, we're oh an intergenerational podcast. If you're a very young fan who are coming into the sport and only cares about the memes, you're welcome. <laughs> or if you're also parents yes, of Allison Whelan. Meme queens. And, and my mother, who does not listen to this very often, but she still will call Das Martin Vantage the green taxi. Oh, so iconic. Like, my mother's here as well. Yeah, it's very iconic. My mother... I'm like, mom, remember the green taxi team? And she'll automatically <laughs> remember who I'm talking about. And so with that, I think we're going to get into some cool stuff this season. We're trying to do a lot more about making education around the sport accessible. I think the barrier to entry for women and new fans, any kind of new fan, has just been harder because it's just difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. So we're going to try and make these very complex topics, way more accessible. We're going to keep it entertaining for you guys. We're going to talk about makeup more. We're going to talk about generative AI. We're going to talk about extended reality. We're going to talk about gambling and tobacco, which one of our producers, Emily, has written a whole dissertation <laughs> on. And so we're going to She has a PhD in gambling and racing. Gambling and racing at this point. And so we're going to cover that in our next episode. So... We have a new drop day. We drop every Thursdays on all your favorite listening platforms under Racing Forces. And we're signing off into the first episode of 2024. More to come. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Engine CVs and Espresso. Stay caffeinated. Bye-bye. <laughs> I just love that Molly I refuse. It. I refuse. <laughs> I just watch Molly's face every time. It makes me giggle. I refuse. Sauber or kick Sauber, whatever they're going by. I feel really bad that I don't know what they're Ooh. going by, but I'm actually very mad at them.